With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, and of course, happy Year of the Tiger to you all. While we certainly have a lot of gripping news to catch up on, we will be finding out it's not all fun and games for the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. That's after a surge of COVID cases were reported inside the Olympic bubble. And while this may not exactly be related to winter sports, senior execs at Faraday Future have nonetheless found themselves on thin ice due to a fake data scandal. Likewise, things are also getting rather frosty for illegal private tutors. Nandini Venkata will have more for us there. If you're looking for a smooth roundup of all of the biggest business from China, you found the right podcast. So, let's hit the slopes and dive into the latest on the Beijing Winter Olympics. Last week saw hundreds of COVID-19 cases confirmed among games-related personnel. Since reporting on virus test results, the Beijing Winter Olympics Committee has identified over 300 COVID infections. Over 100 of the virus cases include athletes and team officials. Others are journalists and event support staff. That being said, it is important to note that all these infections are contained within the Olympic bubble. That describes the closed-loop management system, which strictly separates all event personnel from the general public. As nearly 3,000 athletes from all over the world are expected to participate in the Winter Olympics, Concerns have brewed over the risk of transmission inside the closed loop. However, Huang Chun, Deputy Director of the Beijing 2022 Organizing Committee's Pandemic Control Office, said at a press conference last week that although the number of positive cases has contributed to rise, there haven't been infection clusters within the Olympic bubble. Therefore, Huang says the situation is within the expected controllable range, and people don't need to worry too much. The Winter Olympics will last for 17 days through March 20th. They will, of course, be followed by the Paralympics from March 4th to 13th. Speaking of the Olympics, the sports event has fueled China's appetite for the likes of skiing, ice skating, and other winter sports. Analysts say that China's winter sports and tourism sector has not only received a sizable boost thanks to the Olympics, but its future growth potential remains huge. 
Indeed, during the 2021 to 2022 winter season, 305 million domestic trips related to winter sports, leisure, and tourism were made. That's up from around 250 million in the previous year and 170 million in the 2016 to 2017 season. In the survey conducted by the China Tourism Academy, almost 70% of respondents said they are sure to increase their participation in winter sports and tourism because of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. The future may not be looking so bright for Faraday Future. The troubled electric vehicle maker has found itself yet again in the uncomfortable spotlight. That's after the company admitted releasing inaccurate vehicle booking figures. NASDAQ-listed Faraday said in an exchange filing last week that its previous statements about receiving more than 14,000 reservations for the FF91 vehicle were, quote, potentially misleading. That's because only several hundred of those reservations were paid, while the others, which totaled 14,000, were merely unpaid indications of interest. Following an internal investigation, Faraday's founder, that's the controversial Chinese tycoon Jia Yueting, and CEO Karsten Brightfield, have each received a 25% annual salary reduction. The company's vice president of global capital markets, Wang Jiawei, has been suspended without pay until further notice. In other big tech news, a vice president of Xiaomi, who's also general manager of its smartphone department, is stepping down. Chang Cheng has left after a two-year tenure at the company. Over that period, Xiaomi ramped up its global smartphone market share to at one time become the world's second biggest smartphone vendor. Zeng Xuezhong, president of the smartphone department, will take over the role on an interim basis. When contacted by Tsai Xin, Xiaomi said that, quote, We fully understand and respect Chang's personal wishes and are thankful for his contributions during his stint at the company. The IMF called on Beijing to step up fiscal support to bolster an economy that has been slowed by weakening consumption amid the COVID-19 pandemic and a property market plunge. The policy recommendation came as the fund cut its 2022 growth forecast for China to 4.8% from a previous projection of 5.7%. The economy expanded 8.1% last year. In a January report, the IMF said that China's recovery is well advanced, but it lacks balance and momentum has slowed. In its annual report on the Chinese economy, the IMF said that the slowdown is attributed to the rapid withdrawal of policy support, lagging consumption amid recurrent COVID-19 outbreaks despite a successful vaccination campaign, and slowing real estate investment following policy efforts to reduce leverage in the sector. And speaking of COVID, things are at least looking up for Chinese vaccine makers. They are tipped to report a significant jump in profits for last year. That's on the back of the nationwide COVID-19 inoculation program that has seen more than 3 billion doses administered. This represents the globe's largest vaccine rollout. Among those expected to rake in nice profits is CanSino, which makes a single-dose vaccine. The pharmaceutical player is estimated to book as much as 2 billion yuan in net profits in 2021. Let's turn now to Caixin Global podcast producer and co-producer of this program, Nandini Venkata, who joins us from Beijing. Nandini, 
you've got the latest for us on Beijing's ongoing efforts to eradicate the stubborn after-school tutoring industry, uh, which has survived despite the high-profile crackdowns uh, on this all last year. Now, for those of you wondering why on earth Beijing would want to prevent people from studying harder, uh, you have to remember that access to these tutors is a huge leg up to the kids whose families can afford it. And Beijing sees this as stifling social mobility and, and exacerbating inequality. So with that background, Nandi, please tell us what's going on. Yeah, Kaiser. So today I want to look at some interesting ways that China has um, been turning to in order to stamp out illegal private tutoring. Now, I'm sure as most of your listeners will know, this is, of course, a huge topic. Um, that's because obviously in summer 2021, China introduced all these new regulations on private education and that effectively banned for-profit tutoring um, for core curriculum subjects. And tutoring has also been banned on weekends and on holidays. But despite all of these new rules, some tutoring companies um, or some individual tutors have basically decided to go underground and they have continued to offer classes in core curriculum subjects. And there have been concerns um, among the authorities that um, we're going to see a lot more of this illicit activity happening um, during the winter holiday. Um, so, of course, in China, during the Lunar New Year holiday season, schools go on holiday and um, in the past years, this winter break has been one of the most popular times for both online and in-person tutoring. And this explains why a lot of local authorities in China have been ramping up their daily supervision of after-school tutoring. All right, Nandini. Well, I understand that a lot of local governments have been using a kind of multi-pronged approach to combat illegal tutoring. Can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, well, as you can imagine, the local authorities have been punishing um, the sneaky tutors who, you know, get caught in the wrong. This is by hitting them with administrative detention um, or also penalties that could impact their social credit score. So I guess um, to offer a bit more detail on that last point... Um, this is something that we've actually seen recently in the northern city of Harbin. An education official in Harbin told Session that a number of illegal tutoring firms will face social credit-related punishments. And that includes bans um, on being able to enter the tutoring industry, as well as limits on personal spending. But um, you are quite right when you say that uh, these sort of multi-pronged approaches have been adopted um, because we've seen local governments not only get tough on the um, tutoring companies or the individuals who are tutoring, but also the people who are using the services. So in other words, the students themselves. And at the same time, in some parts of the country, landlords who have rented out their spaces to illegal tutors can also get into trouble. And then on the other side of things, 
There have also been some local authorities who've been offering cash rewards for tip-offs about such dodgy activities. For example, Caixin wrote about how the local government of a city called Changsha in Hunan province um, encouraged local residents to report illicit tutoring and they were handing out rewards of up to 10,000 yuan in return for such information. So 10,000 yuan is about $1,600. So, you know, this is quite a lot of money. Okay, Nandini, that's quite an interesting point you raised about students being punished for this. What kind of punishments are we talking about here? Yeah, so um, well, we've seen different penalties being introduced. Um, so, for example, in Shandong province, which is um, located in the east of China, there was a case where a second grader was given a government notice of criticism and that's for illegally participating in tuition of core subjects. Um, the subjects were Chinese and maths. And this notice was circulated citywide online. The notice also said that the violation would be added to the student's annual school evaluation and assessment. And in Henan province, we've also seen something pretty eyebrow-raising going on. Students who are found to have received illegal tutoring could end up having this included on their official student records. So earlier in the year, Hanan published a notice uh, where it required local students to sign a letter where they basically promised that they won't participate in curriculum-based tutoring during their winter holiday. And this letter also said that... Um, so-called voluntarily accepting any violations would be recorded on their official personal files. Now, these files are really important because they cover things like academic performance, rewards, and punishments um, that are received during their time as a student. So quite clearly, any negative mark on these files could have a big impact on their career prospects and access to things like study abroad, as well as some social benefits. So as you can imagine, this is something that has gone on to spark a lot of debate. Indeed, on social media, a lot of people have argued that this requirement goes, well, too far and deprives students of the opportunity to simply study hard. Okay, thanks, Nandini, and I look forward to hearing back from you soon. Thanks, Kaiser. Speak to you soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Tsaishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Ninkata with stories from the staff of Tsaishin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Tsaishin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like China Stories featuring best writing on China from around the web and the China Sports Insider podcast, Perfect for the Olympics. For daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.